Today is going to be the last part in the series I've been doing on the power of our words. And it's definitely been one of my longer series than what I normally do. But this last part that we're going to do today kind of provides a good summary of all of the things that I've been talking about up to this point. And it really encapsulates all of the ideas that we've been talking about up to this point. So today we're going to be talking about having wholesome talk and what does that mean and what does it look like? So the idea of wholesome talk comes from Ephesians chapter 4. Now in this chapter, Paul has been talking about how when we accept Christ into our life and begin to follow him, that it leads us to live our life differently than we did before we were following Christ. So that's kind of the backdrop that Paul is talking about as we go into this section. So this is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 29. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we're given the instruction here to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, and other translations of the Bible use the word corrupted, any corrupted talk. And so when we're thinking about, well, what does unwholesome mean, let's talk about what wholesome means. If we're talking about something that is whole, we're talking about something that is no less or more than the sum of its parts. So when I think about this, I think about one of those pie charts where you've got the big circle and then usually there's a chunk that's being taken out of that circle in order to represent a portion of the idea that's being talked about. So if the talk that we are supposed to have is wholesome talk, that it includes the whole, the first thing that that means is that it's no less than the total truth that you aren't leaving out details or just picking and choosing the juiciest parts, as we talked about recently, but rather you are including all that needs to be discussed within this topic. You're not leaving anything out. Now, in addition to this, it also means not adding anything that's more than that whole piece that's being discussed. Because when you try to fit more than 100% of something into a container, it doesn't fit. If you have a pie, right, if you've got a full pie, and you take more pie and try to stuff it into that mold that's already full, it's just not going to fit, and it's going to make a bigger mess. So when we're talking about wholesome talk, what we're describing is talking about all of the parts of this discussion without adding in any unnecessary details. Because as soon as you take something away or add those unnecessary details to the truth, then you've corrupted the message and have begun to mislead people. So let me use an example of this. Let's say mom bakes a batch of cookies and she puts them on a plate and she tells all of the kids that they can only have one cookie. Okay, so let's say some time goes by and I go to mom and I say, hey, Jake took a second cookie. 
and that's all I tell her. What's probably going to happen? Well, Jake's probably going to get in trouble because he took two cookies instead of one cookie like he was instructed to do. So what has then happened is that I have left out important details in order to get Jake into trouble. Because what I probably should have added as well was that he didn't eat that second cookie. He gave it to someone else who didn't have a cookie. Well, that changes the story, right? Because that's an important detail and it needs to be included. If all I say is he took a second cookie and I leave out that detail that he wasn't the one who ate it, he gave it to someone else, then I have corrupted the message in order to mislead mom. Okay, but now let's go to the other side. What if I then add more than is necessary? So what if I say, yeah, Jake took a second cookie and he gave it to his friend, but I know that Jake has really been wanting a toy that belongs to this friend, and I think that he may have taken this cookie in order to bribe his friend or try to have some kind of trade with him in order to get that toy from him. Now that's something that I don't know for sure. But again, I've added that unnecessary detail in order to skew mom's perspective against Jake. So this is what I'm talking about in describing unwholesome talk. Unwholesome talk takes place when we provide less or more than the total truth. If I say he took a second cookie and I leave it like that, I've corrupted the truth. If I say he took the cookie and gave it to somebody else, but I think that he was giving it to him because of this, and I've then ascribed motive that I can't confirm, well, that's corrupted the truth as well. And so in order for us to have wholesome talk and to avoid unwholesome talk, we need to be able to avoid corruptions of truth and also learn how to recognize those corruptions of truth from when other people are speaking, and making sure that we are getting all of the details that we need from that person, but also discounting and discrediting anything that goes into that realm of just opinion of what may or may not be, or at least take it with a grain of salt. But especially in our own speech, we want to make sure that we're avoiding doing either one of those things when we're communicating with other people. To instead provide the whole truth to others, making sure that we're including all of the important details while also leaving out any of those unnecessary speculations or inferences. So we're instructed to speak holistically, but then we're given an instruction that almost seems to run contradictory to that, because Paul then says, you know, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So that at first may sound like it's asking us to remove parts of the message, but that's not what it's doing. It's not asking us to edit the message. What it's asking us to do is to verify that the message is appropriate and helpful to the context. So it's encouraging us to ask ourselves before we share a message whether or not the sharing of that message is going to be accomplishing the right purpose. Because remember, our purpose with our words is to bless and not curse, build up and not tear down. 
And when you have wholesome talk, it fulfills that specific purpose of building others up. And sometimes you can have a message that is true, but is not at all helpful to the situation, and can sometimes, in the, in the wrong context, even do more harm than good by either distracting people or overloading them, or even just taking time away from the conversation that would be better used by the application of a different truth. Because when there's a lot of truth that is being shared just randomly, just random truths being shared, it causes an information overload and distracts people from the point that is being made and the bottom line of the whole situation. If someone is trying to learn how to budget and manage their finances better, and I just start telling them random trivia about Pokemon games, that's not helpful at all. It's not even related to the topic. Or even if it is something that's related to the topic, it still might not be helpful. If they're trying to figure out how to manage their own finances, and I start talking about the history of the dollar bill, sure, that's related, it's, it's still about money, but it's not going to help that person at all. It's not going to meet their need. But we can fall into a habit of talking to people like that when we don't take the time to ask ourselves, is what I'm about to share something that's actually going to be helpful for them, or is it just kind of adding white noise? And when we don't ask ourselves that question and just kind of talk about whatever pops into our head, then it distracts from that need being met, and the target goes off course, right? It's a lot like in jet fighting, right? Jet combat, the role that missile flares play. If you don't know what missile flares are, it's what jets will release when there's a missile, a heat-seeking missile on their tail. They'll throw out all of these flares, and it's just this like burning, I believe it's burning metal, that creates all of these extra heat sources that distracts that heat-seeking missile that's on their tail, because now all of a sudden there's not just the heat source coming from the jet engines, Instead, there are multiple heat signals, and the missile doesn't know what to lock onto, and it gets distracted, and it will often miss its mark because it hits one of these different marks instead. And that's what our speech can do to people when we aren't aware of the purpose of a conversation, and we don't take the time to ask ourselves before sharing something if it's going to move people closer to accomplishing that goal and meeting their need. So instead of our speech being like missile flares, what we want it to be more like is railroad tracks. Because railroad tracks, they keep the train on the right course so that it's always moving towards its destination. Now, railroad tracks don't always move in a straight line. Sometimes there's a mountain to avoid. Sometimes there are several railroad tracks that intersect with one, with one another, so that trains can change direction or maybe get on or off a particular line, but they are always moving the trains in the direction that they need to be heading in. So missile flares distract the missile from its target, but railroad tracks move the trains closer to its target and what it needs to accomplish and where it needs to go. So when we're talking, we need to be aware of that and be aware of the purpose 
of our words and always asking ourselves before we say something, is this something that's going to be helpful or is it something that's unnecessary? And if it's unnecessary, then we keep it to ourselves. But if it's going to help fulfill that purpose, then we begin to share it and make sure that we get all of the important details in what we share. So Paul then ends this passage with the instruction for us to forgive one another. And this is the last point I want to talk about in my message today and in this series is that this holistic speech that we are instructed to have needs to revolve around this element of grace. And when we are practicing having wholesome talk in our life and applying it to our conversations with other people, what we will begin to see is that our words will restore the lives of other people through the lens of grace. That even as we recognize the sins and brokenness of other people, that we are including the sins and brokenness in our own life in order to share with them the grace and forgiveness that we have received in our own life and how Christ has restored us in order to share with them that that grace and forgiveness and restoration is available for them as well. But Christ has called us to share the truth of his gospel message with all people, and we want to make sure that we do it in a way that encapsulates the truth honestly. And thankfully, we have already received a perfect example of how this is done in the Bible. Consider with me the way that the Bible shares the gospel message. It begins in Genesis with the fall of all mankind, the fall of the world, that God made everything to be perfect, but because of our disobedience, sin and death entered into the world, and there was a separation between us and God. And we got to see throughout the whole Old Testament, and this is why it bothers me when people say they only read the New Testament. Well, you need the Old Testament in order to understand why the New Testament is so important. Because in the Old Testament, we see the results of that separation from God. We see mankind follow their own sinful nature, and we read the testimony of the destructive results from that behavior. And it is so clear when you're reading the Old Testament with all of the killing and the rape and the selfishness and jealousy and, and all of these things that come out of that sinful spirit, we see how it corrupts all of mankind and how badly we needed a Savior. And it's then that we get to the New Testament where Jesus comes and saves us from our sin by paying that price for us. But in having that complete truth found in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it gives us that holistic perspective of the grace of God. Because all throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, 
the grace of God is shown. That he loved us so much to create us to begin with, that when we disobeyed him and turned our backs on him, that he didn't completely just wipe us out and start all over. He came pretty close with the flood, but then even after the flood, he gave Noah the rainbow as a promise that he would never flood the entire earth again. And we can look at all of people all across the world who live today and understand that God never wiped us out. He had grace. And then his grace went even further and not just, you know, not destroying us, but also in the recognition that we could never free ourselves from our sin through our own power, that he gave his son as a sacrifice to pay that price for us. And even now, after Christ ascended back into heaven, that God is giving this opportunity for this gospel message, this truth of salvation and forgiveness, to be spread all across the world so that everyone will have the opportunity to accept that free gift of salvation from Jesus before God goes into the final act. And we also see in the Bible how Jesus would scold the Pharisees for trying to add more into this gospel message than didn't belong there. And they're trying to add more than the whole. And they're confusing people, and they're leading people astray. They're corrupting the law of God. They're corrupting God's message by trying to add all of this extra stuff into it. So when you take out the fall of humanity, when you take out disobedience and sin from the Old Testament message, you're left with the question, well, why do we need a Savior? But if you just have the Old Testament and you take out the New Testament, then where's the hope? Where's the salvation? Where's the grace? Where's the fulfillment of all of that prophecy? We need that New Testament as well, and the Old Testament and New Testament work together to provide the whole truth of salvation and God's grace for all the world. And we are instructed to share that whole message and shown how God also doesn't want us to add more things to that that he never intended to be there. That we should not be adding any rules on to mankind that God did not put over them. Now, it is very difficult to go through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in a single conversation with someone and talk about, you know, all 66 of the books of the Bible in a five-minute conversation. It just doesn't work that well. But what people are usually willing to listen to, and what also shares this message of grace, is your own testimony. When you share with people, and, and you make sure that you're including the whole truth, and you share with people, I was broken. I was a mess. I was living in sin. I was living in disobedience. And these were all the destructive results that occurred in my life because of it. But in following God and accepting the grace that he has for me, this is what has changed. And we include all of that and nothing more than it invites people to receive this whole message of the truth of God's saving grace. And we are all called to share that. We are all called 
to share the grace of Christ with others. And there is no greater blessing, no greater restoration to be found anywhere else than in the grace of our Heavenly Father. But people can't accept that message unless it's shared with them, and they'll be wary about accepting that message if your life is not reflective of that same message. If your life doesn't show that you are walking in that truth that you are claiming to believe, then people are going to notice that, and they're not going to believe us. And so as I end this series, talking about having wholesome speech, and making sure that we are sharing what is true, and no less and no more than that truth, and that we are sharing it to fulfill the specific purpose of meeting the needs of others and building them up, I want to leave us in this place of reflection where we are asking ourselves, is this message of truth that I'm sharing, is it just coming from my head and what I know, or is it coming from my heart? Is it coming from what I truly believe And I know that I believe it because it affects the way that I live. And the words that I speak match the life that I live so that I can accurately represent the gospel of Christ both in speech and in action. And so with that in mind, I want to leave us with the question, have you been honestly representing the whole truth and grace of Christ in your life? Are you honest about the ways that you fall short of the law of God? Are you honest about the whole law of God and and the fulfillment of that law in Jesus Christ? And do you walk in the restoration and righteousness that he calls you to, making sure that you are not corrupting the word of God by taking anything out of it or adding anything to it when you are sharing it with others or when you are applying it to your life. That you aren't just picking and choosing what you want to apply to your life and that you aren't demanding that others follow rules and traditions that aren't found in scripture, but making sure that we are focused on the truth of scripture and no less and no more, and that we are applying it to our own lives to meet our needs. And those aren't just physical needs of the things that we want, but the spiritual needs of the things that are broken in us that God wants to fix, that we need to allow him to fix in our life, and also sharing that truth with others for the purpose of meeting their needs so that we can build them up and help them be restored in their relationship with their loving, graceful, heavenly Father. But that process begins in our own life, in our words, and in our actions. So ask yourself, have you in your words and in your actions been honestly representing the whole truth and grace of Christ? And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket and the end of this series, and I hope you've enjoyed it. But until next time, 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you want to reach out to me, ask me any questions, make any comments, you can reach me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. But thank you for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.